Today marks the beginning of our new series called Afterglow. Now, an afterglow is when a glow remains after a light is gone. So when the sun, think of it this way, when the sun sets, there remains a glow, there remains a radiance in the sky, and that's what an afterglow is. And in this series, what we're going to do. So last series, we saw Jesus is the light of the world, and we saw Jesus publicly proclaiming things about himself, about what he's going to be coming to do. But in this series, here's what we're doing. We see Jesus leave, and we see him go with his closest friends in a closed room, and we hear him say things. We listen, and we pull up a chair, and we hear him say things that have changed the course of history, and we see him say things that have left an afterglow that remains today. The words that he has spoken have left a radiance that has remained today and has caused the greatest movement, uh, which is Christianity, to be shown that the world has ever known or seen because of the words that he, he speaks. So what we're going to do is we're going to pull up a chair in this closed room and we're just going to listen in to what he says so I'm gonna, we're in John 13. Here we go. Now before the fe feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon, son, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from the Father and was going back to the Father, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my, also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him, that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now from these verses, what we're going to see are some divine robberies. We're going to see how we rob ourselves. We're going to see how we rob others. And then we're going to see how God robs us. So we're going to start how we, how, you, how we rob ourselves. You could rob yourself in a lot of ways. And one of the ways you could rob yourself is by speeding. Because as you speed, if you get caught, you're going to get a speeding ticket. And so in a sense, you're robbing yourself. Now, people, people think like pastors are perfect a lot of the times. 
and many of you might look at me and you're like, this guy doesn't speed. <laughs> so I, I've learned from a cop that if you're going just nine miles an hour over the speed limit, you're probably not going to get pulled over. But I didn't know that uh, a little bit ago. So one day, I got two speeding tickets in one day. Um, I have taken the driver's safety course, the maximum amount you can take in a lifetime already. Um, so I have really, I, but here's what I've done. I've robbed myself because every time I get pulled over for a speeding ticket, I've got to throw money out. I'm, I'm in a sense robbing us. And, and listen, you are robbing yourselves also. We all are robbing ourselves in a far greater way, a far more important way. I mean, do you know the crimes that you are committing against yourself even right now? The crimes you're committing against yourself, every single one of you, you're like victims to yourself. Here's what I mean. Christianity is meant to be a life that is filled with rest and peace. But we are stressed, we are anxious, and we are fearful. But God has given us this in Christ, but we're robbing ourselves of it. We're meant to, have, we're meant to be filled with joy and happiness. We're meant to be filled with a joy that can even bubble up in the midst of no matter what our circumstances are, but we're robbing ourselves of that. And we are meant... For, a joy, for that joy and happiness, but we're also meant to have worth and value, but we're robbing ourselves. I know many of you feel worthless at times. We're robbing ourselves. And if you're like me, you hear this. You want a rest, of, a life of rest and peace and joy and happiness and value and worth, but you're robbing yourself. I'm robbing myself, and here's what has happened. Our depravity has turned on us. Sin runs deep, and we are robbing ourselves of the deepest desires of our hearts. And look, this is exactly what Peter does. Jesus bends down to wash his feet, and Peter won't let him do it. Peter has just robbed himself right there. So what is Peter robbing himself of? Jesus says to him, if you do not let me wash your feet, then you will have no share with me. Now, what's he mean by that? What is he talking about? What does it mean by no share with me? What he's talking about is Jesus' inheritance. What Jesus is saying is all that is his. Jesus is the son of God. All that is his in the entire cosmos, he's ready to share with Peter. He's ready to share it with you. And do you know when the Bible talks about the Christian having an inheritance, it's talking about all that is Christ is being handed over to us. He's sharing it with us. And do you know the, the, the most beautiful part about all of this is that all of the love that the Father in heaven has for his one and only Son, that's the inheritance that's being offered to you. All of it. I mean, you're like, yeah, I know God loves me. No, 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 no. He loves you just the same as he loves his one and only firstborn son. Are you hearing that? Are you hearing what is offered to you? There's no greater inheritance. And you know what that does to a person? If you're lacking peace and rest, that gives you all the peace and rest that you could want because you know what you know? You have a God who loves you 
infinitely more than you love yourself. He's in control of all things, so you can just have faith in him. You can just trust him. He's going to care for you better than you can care for yourself. You get all the joy and happiness that you can want, and you get rest and peace because you have a home with God. So I want you to imagine an orphan that is begging at the slums. He's in the slums of India, and he's begging. He has nothing. He has no family, no shelter. Now, he's going to lack rest and peace because he doesn't have a family or a shelter. He's begging. He's going to lack value and worth because he's watching all these people walk by him. And he needs something. But nobody's giving him anything. And he's going to lack this joy, this happiness, this rest, this peace, this value, and this worth. But then imagine this. There's, a, there's another young boy. Actually, this, this young boy has a mother and a father, and he is loved very well. And in fact, this young boy is a prince from another land. And so he comes in, and he sees this young boy, this young orphan, begging. And he says to his mom and his dad, let's adopt him. And he says to his mom and dad, I want you to love them just as much as you love me, and all that is mine I want to share with him. And so this young prince goes up to this young orphan boy, and he says, we're going to adopt you. My mom and dad are now your mom and dad, and all that I have, I'm going to share it all with you. And you know, that's exactly, and do you know, I mean, think about that, what would that would do to this orphan? Think about what would be happening, joy, peace, I mean, he's going to be filled with it. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ is offering you. Exactly what it's offering you. But so much more. But look at what has to happen first. What is Jesus doing with Peter? He's about to wash his feet. He's about to wipe him clean. And what this is saying, what Jesus is saying is, Peter, you can't have access to my inheritance until I wash your sins clean so that you now have right and access to this inheritance that is mine. And for Jesus to wash his feet, here's what has to happen. Jesus has to become a servant to him. That's why Peter says no. That's why Peter stops him. Washing feet at this time, this was not something by law a Jewish bondservant, a Jewish slave wasn't even allowed to wash somebody's feet. It was too low of a job for someone to do, yet look at what Jesus is doing. He's doing the job that is lower than a slave for Peter. And Peter says no because Peter, listen, Peter does not understand Christianity. Jesus has to become a servant to you to wash you from your sins so that you might have share in this inheritance, so you might have right to it. At the heart of what Christianity is saying, what you find is there is nothing like Christianity. There's nothing like what Christianity is. No one can say that Christianity is just one religion among many. It is too different. It is radically different. It offers you something that no other religion is going to offer to you. Do you know what it is? It's a gift. The gift of this inheritance. But it's a gift. It has to be a gift. It's a gift that's given by faith, but it has to be a gift. You don't earn a gift, you just receive it. But look at what Peter does. He's rejecting it. He's not allowing Jesus to wash him. And at the heart of why Peter is rejecting this gift is because Peter 
thinks that this inheritance is something that's got to be earned. He's got to earn this inheritance in his mind. He cannot take the gift. You know what we tend to think? We tend to think that we need to be like, you know, puppy stores. We need to be like this cute little puppy in a puppy store. And we're kind of all competing with each other to get picked by, by somebody walking in. Well, we kind of feel like Christianity is like that. That we got to be this cute puppy to get picked, to be good enough to be picked by God. Christianity is not saying that. Christianity is saying you can't be chosen by being cute, by being good, by being smart, by being perfect. You are just picked because you are picked. Even if you're a cat, you get picked. <laughs> Look, as soon as you try to earn this gift, you lose it. Because you're trying to earn something that you can't get. It's beyond you. It's beyond your reach. You can't afford this gift of sonship. He's offering you everything that is his. That's a gift of sonship. That's a gift of being a child of God. And he's offering all of it for you. And if you try to earn it, you are robbing yourself from it. And do you realize that, I'm telling you, every other religion, every other philosophy, what it's saying is be that cute puppy so that you can earn your way to get this inheritance. And believe it or not, trying to be this cute little puppy is, is actually the Bible's calling that sinful because you're rejecting this great love that God is offering you. So imagine somebody got you something that's way beyond what you could afford. Something like a dream thing that you have, like a yacht or a really fast car or something. You've got three choices with them giving you something like this. You can say, no, 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 this is too much, this is too much, I can't, I can't take this from you, this is too much, and so you reject the gift. Or you say, okay, I'm going to take the gift, but what you do is you spend the rest of your life trying to pay that person back for giving you that gift. And in a sense, still, you're rejecting that gift because you're trying to pay it back. You don't pay back a gift, that's a loan. If you're paying something back, that's called a loan. So again, you're rejecting the gift. And you don't get to enjoy it now because you're spending the rest of your life trying to pay back something you can't afford. So you never get to enjoy what you've been given. Or you could just simply take the gift and enjoy it and see the love of the person who's given you that gift and then love them back. You know, people go their whole lives searching for God. You know, okay, is there a God? Is there a God? How can we find him? And they go their whole lives searching for God, and they go from religion to religion searching for God. People even come into the church search, trying to search for God, and you know what? They're not finding him. And do you know why they're not finding him? Because they're looking in all the wrong places. They're looking, okay, so God, they're saying, okay, so God's up here, so if I, do, if I become this cute puppy, or if I do enough good things, then I can get high enough so I can peek over this little cliff, and then I'm going to get high enough to where I can see God. But they're not finding God there, because they can't get up there. The reason people aren't finding God is because they're looking in the wrong place. Do you know where you find God? You've got to look down. He's washing your feet. And you will not find him until you look down. He has become a servant to you. You know, Richard, Richard Dawkins is probably one of the most famous atheists today. And I want you to hear, here's what he says about Jesus. I don't see Jesus coming down and dying on the cross as worthy 
of the grandeur of a God. If there is a God, it's going to be a whole lot bigger and incomprehensible. You see why he isn't finding God? He said, God has to be big. He has to be huge if we're going to find him, if we're going to see him. And we're not going to be able to comprehend him. And the Bible says all these things. But, you know, he's looking for God in science. And I'm going to tell you, you'll find God in science. You'll find the proof of a God. You'll find the glory of God in science. But you won't find a God that loves you in science. You won't find a God that is personal with you in science. You've got to look down. He's at your feet. And he's come to serve you and wash your feet. You don't find a God through science. You find him through servanthood. Does this offend you? This would offend a lot of people. Does, it's offending Peter. And so Peter's saying, no, I can't accept this. You can't serve me this way. And Jesus says, unless you let me serve you, you won't have any of the treasures of my sonship. You can't share any of this with me unless you let me serve you. Can you accept a God who's come to serve you? Now, if you can't, you're not only robbing yourself, but you're also robbing God. And here's why. Because God wants to get down on his knees and wash your feet and serve you. He wants to do it. And when you say no, you're rejecting a love that he has for you, a servant kind of love. You're rejecting it when you say no. When you say, no, I don't want, I'm gonna, you're going to be like, Peter, no, I don't want this. He wants to shower you with this love. And he's saying, you're never going to understand, Peter, how much I love you until you let me wash your feet clean right now. Do you know the Bible calls you his treasured possession? It says you are his treasured possession you when we are rejecting this gift we're rejecting a love that has literally come from out of this world it has got down on his knees as a servant and he's saying love me like I love you and we reject it you know what's going to happen to you if you really believe this is true? The anxiety and the stress that you have are going to be washed away because you see, you look down and you see a God who is infinite in power and infinite in love for you and infinite in wisdom. And you're going to look down and see, man, if God sees me this way, if God treasures me this, if God is willing to do this for me, then I can trust him and I can give my life over to him. And then you know what you're going to say? Your stress and your anxiety is going to be washed away because you can trust him more than you can trust yourself. And you can say, even the things that are happening to me that don't make sense, even these horrible things that I feel like are happening to me, you can say, God is good, and I know that he's got something good even in the midst of this somehow in some way. Because if he's willing to do that, then he's willing to care for you the way that you need to be cared for. You're going to see a joy because you're going to see that you are his treasured possession. And do you know what that does? If you're feeling worthless, do you know what it does to you when God, the God of the cosmos, the king of creation comes and he says, I treasure you, I tre you are my treasured possession. Do you know what that does to you? That fills you with value and that fills you with worth. But you have to let him wash your feet. And if you don't let him wash your feet, you're robbing yourself, but you're also robbing the people around you.
if you will not let him serve you, you're actually robbing the people around you. Let me show you. Jesus says, and this is how we rob others, Jesus says to do to others as he has done to you. Listen, if you, if you do not let him wash your feet, he said do to others if I have, as I have done to you. If you don't let him wash your feet, then you can't go and love people the way he's loving you. You can't do it because you haven't let him do it. Do to others as I have done to you. You know, the way that you treat others is a mirror to the way that you treat, do you, um, the way you treat others is a mirror to the way you think God treats you. Listen, the way you treat others is a mirror to the way you think God treats you. Your family is in need of your love. Your friends are in need of your love. And if you don't let him serve you, you do not have the love that they need from you in you. You're rejecting his love. You know, you know those people in church, maybe they've been to church their whole life, and they're mean, and they're angry, and they're judgmental. You know why? I'll tell you. Thank you for asking. Here's why. Because they think that they've got to earn their way up to God and they're not doing it. So they see a God who keeps judging them and is mean and is angry at them for their sins. And so they are saying, okay, if that's how God treats me, that's how I'm going to treat everybody else. They have yet to find out what Christianity really is. You know, we're like geysers. You know what a geyser is? A geyser gets filled. So a geyser is filled with water and then at some moment it just blows up. It shoots water out. Well, an orphan can't love because it has, that orphan has not received love. You can't give what you haven't received. If you're like a geyser, you can't give anything unless you've got something. So the prince we talked about earlier, he has so much to give. He has everything. He's got a castle. He's got a loving mom and dad. So he's got so much to give this orphan. But that orphan had nothing to give this prince but now that the prince has now shared all that he has with this orphan, this orphan has an infinite amount of love, an infinite amount of joy, and an infinite amount of worth, and he's got all, a whole castle worth of stuff that he can share because he has been filled with all of those things. If, if you're an orphan, you are ready to blow with anger or indifference at any time because you have not yet been filled with that love of God. But if you're a child of God, then you're filled with this love. And so when people come into your life and you're this geyser that's filled with love, you're just shooting love out at people and like overwhelming people with all of this love that you have for them. Because you have let the king of the cosmos come down at your feet and wash them and serve you. And by the way, you can't do this. I mean, you, you can't love everyone equally. You only have so much time, so you've got to make some decisions. But I bet if we really saw that God is willing to be a servant to us and wash our feet, then I bet we could probably love people a little bit more than we have been if we really believe this is true. If we believe it's true. I want to ask you this question. Do you know how important you are to the people around you. You are so important to the people around you and they have no idea. And you're like, yeah, I've been telling people that my whole life. Like, do you know how important I am to you? And they don't seem to get it. That's not what I'm talking about. 
you carry a gift, a foreign love that is welling up inside of you as a geyser, this well that doesn't run dry. You carry this gift this, of this inheritance and you can simply offer it to the people around you. And they have no idea that you're carrying this gift, but you have it in you and you can offer it to the people around you. You carry so much purpose because you can carry them this gift that God has already given you and you can point them to that servant king who is down on his knees serving you and you can point them to him. You know, you, you feel like you lack purpose in life. There, this is more purpose than you know what to do with. If you really believe all this is true about Christianity, then you are carrying this gift that you can just offer to everybody. Every single person you meet, every single person in your life, your family, your neighbors, your friends, you are important to them because of the gift that you're carrying. So let me do this. Let me take you to him so that you can see the love that he has for you. You can see how he serves you so that then you might stop robbing yourself of him and you might start ro stop robbing others, and you might offer others a love. And you just let yourself be loved by God. So let me take you to him. And, and here's the first thing you want to know. If you want to meet him, if you want to go to the God who comes down to serve you, the first thing you got to know is that he robs you. Here's how he does it. Let's get into the room. So Jesus is with his disciples in this closed room. And so we come in, we pull up a chair, and we see him coming around, and he's about to come, and he's about to wash your feet. So put yourself there. Imagine this. He's about to wash your feet. And just before he starts, he does something that's equally as shocking as that he's about to wash your feet. And this is the king of the cosmos. He removes his outer garments. Now, he still has undergarments on, okay, so don't make this weird. He removes his outer garments and then he wraps a towel around his waist. And this would have been a long towel, and so then he comes to you, and he bends down on his knees, and he begins to wash your feet. And what he would have done is he would have had a jar of water, something else to catch the water. He would have poured the water over your feet, and then he would take the towel, and he would wipe all the dirt and the filth that would have been on your feet wore sandals at this time. So wipe it all off. And what all of the dirt and filth is wiped off of you and it's wiped upon him on this towel. Now here's the significance of this. On the cross, before Jesus goes to that cross, he is stripped of his outer garments and he is crucified in shame. But then upon that cross, he puts on a towel. It's a different kind of towel. He is blanketed with your sin on the cross. Blanketed with it. See, what he's done is the same way with the towel where he has wiped the dirt and filth off of you. Same way he takes your sin and he wipes it off of you and he puts it upon himself and now he is blanketed with it. And then here's what happens. Sin has to be destroyed. And so all of the wrath that would come down upon sin that was on you is now on him. 
And so on the cross, he is inflicted by this wrath so that then he can take you and he could put you in his castle where you are there in, at home with God. And he then is this orphan child that's been exiled. And then he is inflicted all in your place. But then God robs again. He robs the grave. And he rises from it. Listen, listen. He rises from it. And then he takes his place. The right hand of God. And he is your brother. And he says, he says to his father on your behalf, they are ours. We're adopting them. Says that about you? And then the father looks at you with the same exact love that he has for his one and only son, the king of the cosmos. And he loves you just the same way. And as he is risen, he comes and shares every single bit that is his. He shares it all with you. And the greatest part of it is this love that is rained down and showered down upon you. Jesus says, Mark 10, 45, he says, I have come not to be served, but to serve and give my life for ransom for many. So what will you do? He's down now at your feet, and he wants to wash them and make you clean, and give you all that is his. But you have to let him do it. And if you do, then everything that is his is yours. But the most beautiful part about all this is all the love that the Father has for his Son. It's showered upon you. Not because you deserve it, not because you did anything right, but simply because he picked you. As good news. Let's pray. Father, help us to believe that this is true for us. In our unbelief, we ask that you'd help us believe. God, let us see this story as a story that is true for us. Not as a story that's distant, not as an idea that's distant to us, but as a story that is real. God, we don't want you to be a concept in our minds anymore. We don't want you to be an idea in our minds, but we want to see you as the true God who has come to serve us ultimately upon the cross so that then we might know you and find you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.